Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. All that to kick off tonight's lesson on deep fakes. Uh, round two. The first week uh, we talked about um, the first deep fake was that just because it says Christian doesn't mean we should trust. Or the fake was actually because it says Christian, I can trust it. Um, Last week, we got real, I guess you could say, down into the nitty-gritty of culture when we talked about the, the second deep fake was that culture defines gender. And we talked about what God has to say about gender. And by the way, I know that, that brought up like a, a, a cacophony or a, a large amount of questions. And a lot of you have been texting me a, asking um, questions about this and questions about that when it comes to the lesson and other things. So we're going we're, we're gonna to kind of circle back around to some of those other questions that you have about, you know, that you've been texting in about, you know, sexuality and gender and all that stuff um, once we get kind of the end of our teaching that we have planned. Tonight, um, we're taking, I don't want to say a little break, but maybe it won't be as intense as the gender one. Um, tonight, we're going to be talking about social media, which could get pretty intense. Um, but why are we doing these? Why do we do every year? We do some kind of like hot button issues. Sometimes we call them hot topics. This time we're calling them deep fakes. It's because this, um, there was a study done and they say that of all the teens, U.S. teens that were surveyed, um, only 4% of American teens hold a biblical worldview. Meaning when, when you read something, when you watch something that happens in the news, when you see a video that's posted online, um, when you hear a song about cooking and cleaning, uh, Generally, teens, and probably a lot of adults for that matter, don't filter what they're hearing or what they're seeing through what God has to say. They just kind of take it. So we want to get into some of these issues from a biblical worldview, from a God-centered worldview. So that's why we're doing this. And tonight, this is the, the fake. This is the deep fake, deep fake number three, and it's this. This is the lie, that social media corresponds to reality. Social media corresponds to reality. So we think that when we see what she's doing or what he's doing, or how he looks, or how she looks, that that's an accurate portrayal of their life. But we know that's not really the case, and I've got kind of two ways that we, that we see that in social media. The first is people fake how they look. Um, you know, people fake how they look, and this might be an extreme example, um, but you know how it is, you know, especially those of you that really work hard on your social media accounts. You know what I mean? And I, I see you at the mall and at the park. I, I see you doing it. I see, I've seen how the sausage is made. Like, I've seen how the hot dogs are made. Like, I've seen you guys get into ridiculous, like, positions to try to get, like, the right, like, angle, you know. Oh, you know, and, and you're thinking, yeah, does this, does this angle, does this filter make me look like I don't have a zit the size of Mount Vesuvius on my forehead? Like, like does this angle make my butt look too big, too small, medium size? Like, like what's the, you, you, I always ask John, and he, he gives me his opinion on my pictures before. Before I post them. But you know, we, we get that, right? We get that people not fake how they look, but it's like the most like, like, like glamorous way they would ever look on social media. Also, Something as simple as crowd size. Um, when I was a teenager, the big thing was the Iraq War. And, you know, we went and we kicked some butt in Iraq. And we kicked this guy out of power named Saddam Hussein. Oh, I'm supposed to advance my own slides. And we kicked this guy out of power named Saddam Hussein. And um, when they did that, there was this, every, all the news, you know, all, the, all the social media was showing that there was this you know, statue of Saddam Hussein. And they made it look like these Iraqis were just so glad to have him gone. John, you remember this, right? They, 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 they took, they, they tore his statue down. So this is what you saw on the news and on social media, which was very small at the time, and 
But this is what actually happened. The U.S. tanks were circling this area, and there was like, like probably... 20 Iraqis right there, just big enough to get a good crowd shot to make it look like there was like millions of people gathered in the square, like tearing this guy's statue down. So you can see how that works, right? I don't have to tell you how social media maybe isn't an accurate portrayal of reality, right? You see how this works on a daily basis. You know how it works. So why are we spending a whole lesson talking about it? Because there are two things that I feel like are very sad. And I put them on here because I want I want to say them right. I don't want to, I don't want to come across as being overly critical and but here's to me this is sad to me is that some people maybe me maybe you maybe we're all guilty of it from time to time is that we manicure our social media feed to portray ourselves as something we're not or a different version of ourselves so for instance somebody said sad you you you're going through the whole day and you've had the Am I allowed to say crap? You've had the worst day of your life, but you put a picture of you like smiling, yeah? <laughs> and, and you make it look like you have the greatest life. So we do that, we, we get it, it's, but it's, it's kind of sad, isn't it? But you know what's even more sad? Is that some of us, we compare our real lives and our real ordinary days to the snapshots of the best moments of the best days of people's lives that they post on social media. So, for instance, it's a summer day, it's a Saturday, it's 90 degrees outside, it's a perfectly sunny day, you should be outside working on your tan, hanging out with some friends, but you're stuck at home. You have, nobody called you to say, hey, you want to go do this, hey, you want to go, you're stuck at home on the couch with your stupid, annoying little brother, and you're on the couch eating ho-hos and ding-dongs, binging on Netflix, Y'all know what ho-hos and ding-dongs are, right? They're like the real sugary snacks, right? Um, yeah, you're on the couch eating ho-hos and ding-dongs. And you are binging some Netflix rerun and you pull up your, your, your social media feed and you see that somebody you know is like on this like boat on a lake, like this pristine lake. And there's this picture and they're, yeah, they're, they're, they're you know, uh, should I, de- I, I probably shouldn't demonstrate this stuff. John's saying to go for it. April's not here tonight to tell me not. You know, they're like laying like this, you know, and their friend takes the picture and there's probably some kind of like cute caption underneath it. It's like, you know, I make waves wherever I go and there's the little waves emoji, you know, and they, and they, they, they post it. I got some of you guys really good, right? Um, and, and, and they post it. So you, you see that and you're comparing Couch, stupid brother, Netflix reruns, ho-hos and ding-dongs, to on an awesome lake, on an expensive boat, with friends, getting a tan, living their best life. But you don't see what else happened there. You don't see that they got sunburnt and they're like a lobster. You don't see that their friends were big jerks to them on that trip. You don't see that their parents went out, had to go on the trip with them and chaperone. Their parents had a bunch of rules and it really turned out to like a fight between them and their parents. You don't see all the things that are behind the picture and that are outside the frame of the picture and that are filtered out the picture. But here's what's sad is that we compare our ordinary days to their best days And a seed of discontent gets sown in our lives. And that seed grows into anxiety. That seed grows into resentment. And eventually, what we're going to learn in in the Bible here is that that seed can grow into even us having trouble in our relationship with God. 
So if you have your Bible, open up to 1 Timothy, the book of 1 Timothy. And 1 Timothy is a pretty cool book because it was written to uh, somebody who may or may not, at the time of the writing, have been a teenager. Um, Just a little background here. 1 Timothy was written by the Apostle Paul, and I can give you like one or two guesses on who it was written to. It was written to a guy named Timothy. Paul was a missionary. He was an apostle. He had seen Jesus. He was an eyewitness to Jesus. Um, And Paul was going from city to city to city, telling people about Jesus. People were getting saved. Churches were being started. And Timothy joined Paul on these like little mini mission trips literally all around the world. And most scholars believe that Timothy was probably in his late teens when he joined up with Paul. Um, So at one one point in Timothy and Paul's journey together, um, Paul sent Timothy to a city to pastor a church there, to take over a church that needed some direction. And this, the name of the city was Ephesus. And I, I can't get into all the raunchy things that were going on at Ephesus, but it was, it, it was kind of like a Las Vegas-ish town. Um, and, and in that town, uh, people were all about making money and getting wealthy. Like, that was the thing. Because there was no, like, old rich class of people, so everybody was just out, like, it was like free money. Like, go out, you know, you know you'll wake up, you know, make as much money as you can. And the, ch- the church there had gotten money hungry, and they were inviting pastors in to preach to them that were all about, like, making money. So Paul sent Timothy to this church to straighten the church out, but the problem was the church was full of a bunch of old farts, and Timothy was late teens, early 20s. How do you think he was received at that church? Uh, people challenged him. They said, you're too young. You know, you're too this. You're too that. Maybe you're familiar. You, that, that sounds a lot like what you've been told. Like, like you're too young. You're not pretty enough. You're not good enough. Da, 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 da. And Timothy, what we're going to learn is he, he was faced with a choice. Was he going to compare himself to others and try to be like others, or was he going to try to be like what God called him to be? So as we get into, I keep forgetting that I have to advance my own slides. I'm sorry about that, because I want to mark it up with my little toothpaste tube thing. So First um, Timothy chapter 6, we're going to look at verses 2 um, through verse 9. So let's, let's look at it. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 2 through 9, it says, um, teach and urge these things. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he's puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people. That never happens on social media, right? Constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and depraved of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, we can take nothing out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these things we'll be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. So we're going to dive into this. Um, There are a couple things I think that from this passage that apply to us and the way that we scroll in our social media. But before we do that, um, let's bow our heads and, and, and go, to the, go to the Lord in prayer. Um, God, as we've read your word and now we're getting ready to just soak it in and meditate on it and, and talk about it. Um, God, I pray that you'll speak to our hearts tonight. Um, I pray that you'll, you'll expose to us and show us how this thousand-year-old, 2,000-year-old passage um, that was written to 
a young person about money and about comparison. I pray that you'll show, this, show us how this applies to us and especially in this area of our digital lives where we really need wisdom. Uh, so God, I pray that we'll leave no stone unturned. I pray that in our hearts that, we'll leave, that we won't leave any area uh, uh, kind of locked out to us being open to you about it. Uh, so God, I pray that you'll, you'll speak to us tonight through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're talking about social media, and we're in a situation here that was, that was very difficult for Timothy. You know, Timothy didn't obviously have social media. This is a new thing that, that, that you, you're getting to deal with that really no generation previous had dealt with. Uh, I was in college when Facebook started, and I got a Facebook account, and then all the boomers joined Facebook, and everybody else just left. And but they say that your generation is the first generation to grow up on social media. And there are a lot of studies that are coming out. They're coming out quickly because there's really never been, nobody's been able to follow a generation that's been on social media and, and study the like psychological effects of what, how it affects you. But what they're showing right now is with the, there's a correlate, correlation of the rise of social media with anxiety off the charts among teens. And, and I don't, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see how they correlate and how they relate. Um, so while this is an issue that's new to you, um, the, ish, the root of the issue is not new to humanity and it's not new to people. So we're gonna kind of dive in to this section here, to this passage, and look and see how it applies to social media. And the first thing we're gonna see is that the problem isn't social media. It's not, but it's the discontent that it motivates. Uh, we've said this before. This isn't the first time we've done, you open up the Bible and applied it to social media. Most of the time, we've applied it to how you post. We're pretty much, the lesson boils down to don't be a jerk with what you post on social media. Um, but this, this, this section, we're not so much focused on what you post. We're looking at your scrolling life. If I could put it that way, does that make sense? Your, your scrolling life, you know, what, you're, what you're looking at and consuming on social media. And we've said before, the pro social media isn't good, social media isn't bad, social media is powerful. And what you do with it is important. And here we see the problem isn't social media, but the discontent that it motivates. Um, we're going to dive in here and, and look and see how... The problem with these people that Timothy was fighting with was their discontent with their relationship with God. But when we think of discontent and we think of desire, social media, I don't know if you realize this or you've looked into this, social media is wired to get you to come back. So it's all about you stoking like a desire. Do you know that every time you get a like, it, it, it gets into the reward center of your brain and releases a little chemical in your brain called dopamine that's addictive? It's like a, a scaled down version of what, um, dr of what drug addicts receive when they, when they take a hit of drugs. They, they get a just insane amount of dopamine that comes into their brain and hits the reward center. When you get a like on, it, on Instagram or you, 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 somebody opens your snap, you get this little like, hit a dopamine that gets you coming back for more and coming back for more. And it creates a desire in you. And desire isn't necessarily bad, but it is when it, is when it cultivates discontent in you. So I've kind of boiled it down. I think there are like three kinds of desire, three kinds of, of, of desires that we get when we see things on social media. The first are just desires that are flat out wrong. Like social media can cause people to lust. I think we can all you know, we can all agree on that that yeah you know, th th that could be a problem that desire would obviously be a sinful desire. Social media can cause um, can can cause people to lash out at others. 
We've seen a lot of that over the past like year, year and a half. Obviously, that's a sinful thing. So, so social media can cause us to, to desire or to do sinful things. But social media can also um, cause a desire for unattainable things. You, know, you scroll through and you see, you know, you, 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 you've been hitting the gym and you, you still have these little like, like spaghetti strap arm, you know, spaghetti uh, noodle arms. And you see, you, you scroll through and you see you know, this guy that you know and he is like caked up. Like, like, like he, he, just looks, he just looks at a barbell and just shoo, shoo, you know, and, and we wish that we could, you know, you guys, we wish we could be jacked. You know, I don't know what, what you girls, you know, wish you could be, wish you couldn't be. I'm not a girl. And sometimes I'm thankful for that. But, um, it must be terrible to be a girl. I'm just saying, like, I feel, I really do, yeah, I've got a daughter and I feel sorry for her because it's just infinitely more complicated, I feel like, to be a girl. Um, but yeah, then there are unattainable things. You know, looks, um, you know, unrealistic things, and, and, and we kind of talked about that. But then there's also good attainable things that we go after with the wrong motives. I wrote down some examples. Um, wealth. Yeah, you see those goal accounts, you know, on Twitter. I'm, I'm a Twitter guy, but you know, you see the goal accounts on Twitter. It's like house goals. It's like, 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 like clothing goals. And it's all this just ridiculously expensive stuff. And if you work hard enough and you sacrifice enough of your time and your family, you can get that stuff, right? Um, dates, friend circles, fitness, we talked about that, fashion, lifestyle. Yeah, there are things that aren't necessarily bad. Is it bad to be in shape? No. Is it bad to have nice clothes and to have the, like pull off this like particular aesthetic? No, it's not bad. Is it bad to, is it, is it bad to have like a good circle of friends and run with them and, and be like on like the upper echelon of your school? No, it's not bad. But sometimes the things that you do to get to that point can be bad. So we realize that you Sometimes the desire that social media motivates is not right. And if we look, we're going to scroll back here to the verse. If we look, Timothy's bullies, they desired money above all else. You can look and you can kind of look in, let me get my, my, my clicker out here. You can get and you can look in verse 5. It says, these people are deprived in, in truth. Imagining that godliness is a means of gain. If you go down to verse nine, it says those who desire to be rich, there's that desire, fall into temptation. Verse 10, it says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And then in verse uh, 10 also, it says it is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith. So do you see how th these people who were Timothy's like kind of adversaries and they were, they, they were trolling them pretty hard, their desire was money money, 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 money. And they got a lot of it. They actually accumulated a lot of money through like wrong ways. And then Timothy was comparing him. He's like this like teenage, like pastor at this church. And there are a bunch of rich old guys that were trying to come in and take over this church. And he's thinking, man, maybe these people would listen to me if I made some more money. If I was more like these guys who were like balling outrageous. And Timothy was faced with that possibility. And we see here that these, that, that these people thought that the money would get them contentment and money would give them fulfillment. But verse 10 kind of sums it up. Let me see if I can highlight it here. It says, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils is through that craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. These people in their desire to be rich totally lost their lives and their spiritual lives because of it. 
They were looking for contentment, but they couldn't find it. So when we apply this to social media, we think we can find contentment through what we see and then maybe mimicking what we see, but you're not gonna find contentment through content. We're gonna learn you're gonna find contentment through Jesus. So social media is not a bad thing. The problem is social media, but it can motivate a discontent in our lives. And here's where it gets a little little real. The comparison trap is hard to escape. Look down here in verse 9. It says, those who desire to be rich, right? These are the people that they had something they saw, they wanted it, they went after it. That was this desire because they were discontented in where they were in life. Those who desire to be rich, first it says they fall into temptation. So I'm going to try to see if I can do this here. They fall into temptation, That's the first stage in this comparison trap. They fall into temptation. And that might kind of be like, well, look at her. She seems happy. I'm not. Maybe I need to try to be more like her. Maybe if I change the way I dress a little bit, maybe if I start hanging out with this group of friends, maybe if I do this, maybe if I do that, I will be as happy as these people seem to be on social media. Just like these people in Ephesus who desired to be rich. They saw what was going on in the world and they wanted it. So it starts with temptation, it says, but they fall into temptation. And here's the next stage, into a snare. A snare is like a fancy word for a trap. Um, sometimes hunters use what's called hunting snares, and it traps the leg of an animal. Um, and, and, you know, they eventually just starve to death or the hunter finds them and kills them. They fall into a snare, so what would the snare look like? You know, social media, remember, it starts with temptation. Hey, you know, she looks pretty happy. He looks pretty happy. Maybe if, I'm more, if I act more like this person, the snare would be like, well, I'm acting like this person, but I'm still not happy. I have that pair of jeans, but now I just want another pair of jeans. <laughs> I, got, I, got the, I got the 11. Now I want the 12. You know, I got good grades this year, but I need to get good, better grades next year if I want to get the, into the college that I get into. And now that I got into the college I want to get into, I've got to get good grades so I can get into the grad school I, got, I want to get into. And then when I get into the grad school I want to get into, I've got to get just incredible grades and I've got to start doing internships so I can get the career I want. Now that I've got the career I want, I've got to start making connections so I can start climbing up the ladder to be the, you know, the top dog in the career I want. Now that I've got the career I want, I've got to save a bunch of money so I can retire and travel the world. You see how it's, it's, it's a snare, it's a, it's a trap. Why isn't this working? Then you think, what's wrong with me? If she's happy with that, and I have it, and I'm not happy, maybe there's something wrong with me. This isn't easy, as, I, as easy as I thought it'd be. Maybe I need to try a little harder. So it says, they, they, they fall into temptation, and then a snare, and then it says, many senseless and harmful desires. What does that look like? I think it looks like, and we're going to see how this is played out here with these people in a minute, your desires start getting a little, little, I guess we could call them salty. You start thinking, it's her fault. If I can't be happy, well, daggone it, she's not going to be happy either. If my parents worked jobs that made more money, I'd be able to have this kind of clothing, this kind of car, so it's my parents' fault. You start getting into these harmful, malicious desires. It doesn't matter who I hurt as long as I'm happy. 
And then the final stage, it says, they go from temptation into a snare, into harmful desires, and then into ruin. I can't spell in front of people. I'm a nervous speller. Ruin and destruction. It says ruin and destruction. What is that like? Well, it says, after all this, I've stepped over a bunch of people to get what I want. I've yelled at my parents. I left this group of friends for this group of friends that I thought would be more, yeah, yeah, more beneficial to me. And now I'm more unhappy than I was before I fell into the trap. But look at her. She seems pretty happy. Maybe I should try to start doing what she's doing. And it's like this vicious, never-ending cycle of trying to find contentment, trying to find fulfillment, trying to find daggone peace in your life. And you know what's sad is that in verse 11, at the end of this ruin and destruction, it says that many have wandered away from the faith. That in this topsy-turvy, round-around comparison trap, you can actually harm your day-to-day fellowship relationship with God because you're pursuing the wrong things. Up here, guys, okay? So the comparison trap is hard to escape, and now we're gonna get into the nitty-gritty. That discontentment, when you're discontent with your life in Jesus, it breeds destructive behavior. Look at these people who were going after all the wrong things. It says in verse four, he is puffed up with conceits and understands nothing. You ever met somebody who's conceited? It's all about them. They think they're everything in a bag of potato chips. They're puffed up with conceit. Then it says, as as you keep going, it says in verse three, they do not agree with sound doctrine. So now the more you're discontented with Jesus, the less likely you are to care what he says and believe what he says. Verse four, then it says, he has an unhealthy craving for controversy, quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, and evil suspicion and constant friction among people. You know that mean girling, mean, guys can be mean too. It's, you know, that's like the movie, Mean Girls. Anybody ever, yeah, is that still like a thing? People still watch that movie, Mean Girls, before Lindsay Lohan went just absolutely nuts, right? Um, you, we, we see here, do you, do you see how these people act? These people that are so discontent, it says that they, they kind of have a craving for controversy. They love getting in on the drama. They've got like drama, sni- they have like drama sniffing dogs that they let loose and follow to try to get their noses where, they do, where it doesn't belong. And they enjoy evil words, slander. You know what James, James talks about this? He says, what causes quarrels? And fights among you, is it not this, that there are passions at war within you because you desire and you don't have, you covet and you cannot contain? See, even James talking about people who can't get along and people who are malicious and abusive with their words. It says it comes back to the discontent that's in your heart. So you show me someone who beats somebody up online or you show me someone who, is, who has a vendetta against somebody else and I'll show you someone who is discontented with the life that God's given them. 
We'll keep going because you probably don't like that very much. Um, in, in verse 5, it says that hypocrisy is acceptable when you're discontent in life. It says, it says that they imagine that godliness is a means of gain. They're only on team Jesus for what it brings to them. So discontentment, when, we, when you're discontent with life, it breeds destructive behavior in your, in, in your person, in your being. And the final thing, we're gonna go home. Contentment is knowing the difference between what matters and what doesn't. I wanna show you God's math here because you see it in verse eight, or excuse me, verse seven, or <laughs> verse six, the numbers are small. But godliness with contentment is great gain. So here's the formula here. Godliness, that's your faith. That's your belief in God. And contentment, That's being content in your faith. Godliness plus contentment equals gain. Not just great gain, or not just gain, great gain. The word in, in the Greek is the word mega, which you know, it, it's, it emphasizes. So godliness, who you are in Jesus, what God has made you to be, who he's making you to be, your eternal future, plus being content with what God has made you, who he's made you to be, who you are in him, equals great gain. It means that you are in a much better place than people that even maybe they've got the Instagram aesthetic down, but they're searching. And you being content with who you are in Christ is great gain. I think that's what Psalm 23 meant when, Jesus, when, um, the, when the, um, the psalmist David wrote, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. I don't need anything else. Godliness plus contentment equals great gain. So we gotta get going. I know what time it is. So I got, what here's what's so cool. Paul wrote his own F words. He wrote his own application F-words. Now, I know he wrote this in Greek, and there's no F-words in Greek, but just bear with me. Let me have my F-words, okay? Let me have my moment. In verse 11, he says, but as for you, he's talking about all these people who they, they had these wrong desires. They looked, they saw the money in Ephesus, and they went after it. He says, but as for you, be different, be content, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, Love, steadfastness, and gentleness. You know what it means to flee the wrong things and pursue the right things? It usually means adjusting your Bible to social media ratio on a daily basis. So we need to flee the wrong things. You, if you think you're gonna find the right things, just by, it's not bad by scrolling, but you know, it's, not, it's not wrong to scroll. And yeah, I scroll, so I, I watch a ridiculous amount of TikToks before I go to bed each night. But that's not necessarily a bad thing, but we gotta make sure we have the Bible to social media ratio right. The next one is fight the good fight of faith. That's what he says here. He says, fight the good fight of faith. What is that? It means connecting with God every day, connecting with the people of God. It means connecting with the mission of God, telling other people about Jesus. And the final thing is firmly hold on to what matters. He says, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. And you know what that means? That means that there are only really a couple things that we need to be content. The first is, we need food and shelter. He talks about that. He says, you need food and shelter. You, know? you, need, to, you need to live. You know? <laughs> Your needs as a baby have not really changed. You, know, you need to eat, a place to eat, sleep, poop, and sleep. Um, so, so, so that hasn't changed. So as long as you're alive, that matters and what's eternal matters. 
There are only a few things that you can take with you when you go. You know, hearses don't pull you halls. Um, the only thing you can take with you is your relationship with God and the people that you witness to along the way. So, um, Kind of ran out of time. I wish we could spend more time on this, but I know we have to go. Um, so thank you for bearing with me tonight. Um, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get out of here. So let's, let, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, God, I pray that tonight, um, maybe not as heavy as last week, but uh, God, we, we, we look and we see the lives that others have, and we have such a desire for that life. Uh, but God, I pray that we'll be content in you, that godliness, our faith in you, plus being content in that, that we'll be able to see the gain in that. We'll be able to see the benefit in that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.